Hello and welcome to episode number 46 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about persistence. I kind of feel like this is a bit going back to episode one of the Random Thoughts Podcast, where we told you the story about my eye surgeries and my buddy Tom that had passed away. Uh, Over the past year or so, my dad's been going through some health issues and is finally on the mend, which is a very good thing. Uh, He had hip surgery about a year and a half ago and then ended up getting an infection, which I was talking to my mom the other day and she's like, oh, it was a year ago that we wound up going into the hospital at the beginning of July. And there was an infection that got into a system. Long story short, it almost killed him. And it took about a year for him to get the second hip done, which he had about a month ago done. And he is now home on the mend. Things are getting better. He's doing therapy. The no infections and all that kind of stuff is clear. So for that, it's been a long year and a lot of persistence for him and for my mom, who's taking care of him, of course, and everybody in the family. It's, there's a lot of stress when it comes down to health issues. And another thing on my mind is my buddy Mikey out in Boston, who just had cancer surgery. So we're thinking about you, Mikey. Hopefully you kick cancer's ass and get back on the men and get back out to some Frank Turner shows and the Dropkick Murphys. And Mikey and I, we go back and forth that we're both B-Digs, B-D-I-G, big, dumb Irish guys. And and maybe that's true. And, uh, you know, maybe we're just spewing some crazy stuff, but persistence pays off. And we're sending out some karma to uh, to Mikey to beat cancer because uh, that's just that's just simply not fun. If you want to talk about the ultimate in persistence being needed, that's one of those diseases, one of those afflictions that that's the only way to get through it. That's the only way to beat it. And on a little bit of a lesser note, there's no life or death, hopefully, going on here. Our buddy Mark Von Dyke, who was doing the Mark and George show. In English, and of course, he has the Dutch podcast, the Prisma podcast that he's been doing and does a lot of stuff on the No Agenda stream where our shows are featured. We've gotten to know Void at least decently well over the last few months, and he's going through a hard time, not feeling motivated, and we want to give him just a little kick in the ass because he, he posted a video and he's like, well, I know there's only you know a few people that like what we're doing. And Void, there's a lot of people out here that enjoy the shows you were putting out that appreciate that. And it's a uphill battle. Anytime you start trying to do anything creatively, professionally, I mean, we all hear sometimes that there is a overnight success, but usually for every overnight success, there was plenty of hours put into practicing honing crafts and things like that. It's a very rare thing to have a overnight success. Mark had a little bit of problems with co-hosts, which is why we go back to my buddy Larry. And this is, again, kind of going back to episode one of Random Thoughts, because I've had various people that I've done podcasts with in the past. And I'm once again doing a show with a guy named Ryan Bemrose, and that's the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. And we're having a great time with it. But my buddy Larry from that Larry show kind of gave me a kick in the ass to start this podcast saying, you know, you can't always trust that co-hosts are going to show up, that they're not going to flake out at some point or another. And 
it's good to do other shows. I enjoy doing the grumpy old Ben's. I could probably do another podcast with somebody else and keep having fun doing three, four, five shows a week. Cause you know, podcasting, I do enjoy it, but having a solo show is something that's really nice because you don't have to rely on anybody else to do it. All you have is yourself, which of course is a scary thing. And it seems like it's a bigger uphill battle than it really was. Cause when Larry suggested it, I was like, you know, that seems like, it seems like a lot more work and it is, but the payoff is even greater and you either fail or you succeed due to your own merits. And Mark has done a bunch of stuff on the no agenda stream that was just him. And it took him a long time to even start releasing any of those. And we just want to let you know, Mark, we dig what you're doing. We hope you start getting some more content out there. I mean, hey, family first, we get it. Congratulations to Mark and his Mrs. Iris. They're having another little human resource coming early next year. So priorities definitely have a part to play there. But we hope to see Mark making more content soon because we miss hearing his voice. And on the video, we miss seeing his pretty face. I mean, that is. That's the unfairness of it all, Mark. You look so much better than the rest of us. He's just such a good-looking guy, and it's not fair. I have the face for radio, and that's why we're doing podcasts. But there are stories of persistence that came to mind when I decided to kind of tackle this as a topic for the podcast. And I've been into country music for a long time and really more of the real country music, not the pop crap that they're playing on the radio now. And if you've ever heard one of my no agenda pre-streams on Thursdays, you know that my music taste is a little bit more eclectic than most. And I really don't go down the pop country route at all, except maybe Taylor Swift. And of course, now she's not country at all anymore. But, you know, I like the Waylon, Willie, Johnny Cash, those kind of country guys. The alt country guys like Todd Snyder and Jack Ingram and Bruce and Charlie Robinson, those kind of guys, they're the kind of guys where that's where my musical tastes go if you're talking about any kind of country music vein whatsoever. Toby Keith is an artist that I've always liked since he's come out because he's a guy that is doing his own thing and doesn't follow whatever the current trend is, which I like. It's kind of like Willie Nelson. He just is like, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do Willie. That's all I'm going to do. And Toby Keith, I thought it was great because Toby Keith is known as a guy that can party. That's kind of his, uh, you know, the macho presence that he puts out there, you know, can drink, have a good time, party with anybody. He tells a story and then created a song about smoking weed with Willie Nelson that uh, he smoked weed with Willie was a little tired, went back to the hotel room, and like a day passed, he missed some event that he was supposed to go to, and that's why there's the Toby Keith song that I'll never smoke weed with Willie again, because Willie, I guess, that tolerance level, I mean, Willie may be a thousand years old, but he has a tolerance level that can kick Toby Keith's ass when it comes down to smoking pot, but Toby, when he wanted to get into this whole country music game, he had come down to Nashville. And he promised himself that if he didn't get signed by a label, this is going way back because now kids don't have to do this. You don't have to get signed by a label. You just have to get your videos up on YouTube or put your music up somewhere that it can be immediately seen by a billion people go viral and you have a career. Well, that wasn't what it was like 
when Toby Keith came to Nashville. Of course, it wasn't what Taylor Swift found when she came to Nashville, but I'll avoid telling her story because I think she was like 12 when she came to Nashville. So I'm not sure that I can blame any label for not taking her seriously or not seeing the pop superstar that was in front of them. But Toby Keith, he was pretty much a mature, well, his songwriting abilities. I don't know if he was mature on a personal level, but I digress. He came to Nashville and he met, went to a meet with a few different labels. He had a six song demo cassette that he brought with them. And he met with one of these labels right before this happened. And he met with the label and the guy, he said he put the tape in the cassette player. Cause again, this is going back into the early days when we had cassettes and not CDs or not digital files. But the guy takes Toby Keith's six song demo cassette and he puts it into his cassette player. And it was, you know, listen for about three or four seconds, hit fast forward, listen for about three or four seconds, hits fast forward, gets through the whole tape. Guy looks at him and is like, no, yeah, you, you know, you, you got the look and you're a pretty good singer, um, but you're, you're songwriting shit. We, we don't want to use your songs. And Toby Keith had seen himself and still does, I'm sure, as first and foremost, a songwriter. So here's a guy telling him, you know what? We can't use your songs. Maybe we can, you know, maybe you can be an artist, but we're going to have to find somebody else to write some music for you. You're going to have to do something different there. And he was a little depressed about that. And he'd making that vow to himself that before he was 30, if he wasn't signed, he was going to give up. Well, as luck would have it, and sometimes these stories take slightly weird left turns or things come out of nowhere that you wouldn't expect. He had a fan that was a flight attendant who knew a Mercury Records executive or met a Mercury Records executive on a flight that she was working on. This guy's name was Harold Shedd. She gave him Toby Keith's demo tape. And 18 days before his 30th birthday, he got a call from Harold Shedd, who said he'd be interested in seeing him play live. And he came out saw him play live and the next thing you know he's got a record deal you fast forward throughout his career and he's now sold over 40 million records he's had uh, 20 number one singles and i saw him talking about his rise to fame if you will and talking about going to these different labels and meeting with people like the guy with the cassette who just wanted to fast forward and tell him that his songwriting was absolute garbage and would never go anywhere. And Toby Keith was talking about this. And he's like, you know, out of that six song cassette, five of those songs, I believe it may have been four. I think it was five, though, became number one country hits. And that to me says a very important thing when you're dealing with artists, when you're dealing with anything in the creative sphere, whether it's music, whether it's acting, whether it's doing podcasting, you're relying on other people to somehow make an evaluation of your self-worth, to make an evaluation of how good the work that you are doing is. And a lot of times the people that are the gatekeepers are total morons themselves and if you didn't have this persistence if toby keith didn't keep this up he may be just working as a bartender somewhere i don't know and then he, although he could go to congress then but i digress 
that persistence pays off in doing what you want to do, doing what makes you happy and hoping that it eventually leads to, you know, something that you can hang your hat on. I mean, hey, it's it's hard to do that in the podcasting sphere, but there are some people that are making full-time livings on the podcasting thing. Granted, those numbers are fairly small, but you know, it's a growing industry. So void, I mean, take that again into consideration when you're thinking you want to give up, just keep doing it. Do what makes you happy. If it doesn't make you happy, then by all means, stop doing it. But if you like what you're doing and you enjoy what you're doing, I mean, that really kind of shines through. I mean, even the Beatles were turned down by a couple of different labels before they got their break. They failed what they call now the infamous DECA audition on New Year's Day in 1962, and a lot's been made of the guy that turned them down. His name was Dick Rowe, and his comment after hearing the Beatles were, guitar groups are on the way out. (laughs) I think he was really, I don't know. See, that was 1962. We're now in 2019, and you know what? There are still some guitar groups around. I mean, finally now, maybe. You're getting overrun with this computerized crap, and maybe guitars are finally taking a backseat a little bit, but there's still a lot of great rock and roll bands out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of great bands out there that are still rocking the electric guitar sound. And uh this guy, and he really maybe Dick Rowe is getting a little bit of a uh bad shake on this whole thing because when you go back and listen to those early Beatles tapes. I don't know if you can necessarily hear the genius that was to come because at that point they were still mainly a cover band. You know, they weren't necessarily a great cover band. I mean, sure. This was early rock and roll. It had a raw sound, but if you go back and listen to it before they really started writing, you know, the Beatles were pretty much just any other garage band. And again, sometimes it takes a little persistence. It takes somebody putting the time in, learning their craft, in this case of the Beatles, was songwriting. I mean, Toby Keith, right off the bat, they said, hey, you got the look and you can sing, but your songwriting's crap. He didn't like that. The Beatles are kind of the other way around. It's like, hey, you can't even sing and uh, you can't really play your instruments that well. But I think they kind of turned that around with their creativity their songwriting, and then pretty quickly the Beatles became a group that was using technology to produce sounds that nobody else was. And again, this is taking a path that nobody had taken before. When the Beatles were trying to get signed, they were doing what every other garage band did. They were playing other people's songs, and they weren't that good at it. Once they start doing their own thing, once they start finding their voice, once they started finding their sound, they turned into one of the biggest rock and roll bands in the history of the planet. And Paul McCartney still out there doing it. God bless him. Ringo Starr joined him on the last show of this current tour. And it was that was just cool to see. Just cool to see those two guys back on stage together. And you wonder what Lennon could have possibly been doing if he hadn't been murdered back in 1980, a day that I think I've talked about really set my musical life in motion because we were on vacation. The new John Lennon record was just coming out. They were playing the song nearly 
every five minutes, it seemed like, on the radio. And once we got home, the day we got home, we found out he had been murdered. And that's when I start going through my parents' record collection with all those Beatles records and had, had really not stopped since with the obsessive collecting of music, whether it be digital, CDs, vinyl, um, all these kind of things. But for me, it's something that is, it's fun. It's fun to go out there and try to find new things. It's, it's really fun to go out there and we play a lot of this stuff on the Thursday no agenda pre-shows, which you can catch at starting at 9 a.m. Central Time at noagendastream.com. We go into the archive of bootleg recordings that I found over the years from various artists, and it's always interesting to find live shows that maybe a song is done slightly differently. Because this used to be the way we talked about this before as well, where artists used to go out and test some of these songs before audiences. And they would change before they actually made it onto a record. And it's interesting when you're collecting stuff, the Beatles, there's tons of demos out there. You know, a lot of these rock bands, these early demos and stuff end up surfacing and you get a, a really a good look at how songs and the artists themselves went from point A to point B. It's a really interesting thing to see how these songs and how these careers really did mature and get better as these artists honed their craft. Michael Jordan was something that comes up a lot when people talk about persistence, because really it was a lie what they say about Michael Jordan, which was that he didn't make his team as a high school sophomore or that he was cut from the team as a high school sophomore. But when you really read the stories on it, you find out that Back at that point, for a sophomore to make a junior varsity team was nearly impossible. People make a little bit more of there was another guy that was a sophomore that did make the team, but they needed a big guy, a center, I believe it was. And of course, Michael Jordan didn't quite fit that as he not a seven footer. So, I mean, that it's kind of this kind of a BS story when people say, hey, well, Michael Jordan was cut from his high school team. He wasn't cut from his high school team. He just didn't make the varsity team when he was a sophomore. He did make it as a junior and as a senior. And as you know, he went on to become, you know, at least a decent basketball player. Major League Baseball, there's stories all over the place of persistence. When Mariano Rivera just made it into the Hall of Fame, he talked about the day when he was sent back down to the minor leagues because he wasn't quite ready for prime time. And he, one of the other guys on the Yankees was sent down at the same day. It was a guy named Jeter. I think it was Derek Jeter. And they were both sent back down to the minors together. And they both wound up making the major leagues again and doing some uh, pretty amazing thing. Jeter, I believe, is set to be a Hall of Famer next year. Mariano, of course, going in this year as some of the greatest baseball players in the history of the game. And there was a guy, the Disney, they made a movie about this guy. So you know this must have been a big story. The oldest rookie in Major League Baseball history. No podcast about persistence, I don't think, would be complete without talking about Jim Morris. It was back in 1999 at the age of 35 that he made an improbable comeback 10 years after he officially retired from professional baseball. Uh, the story was one that uh, wasn't that unique to a lot of guys. 
He was originally drafted by the Brewers in the first round of the January 1983 amateur draft. His professional career, though, was marred by injury, and he went under had undergone four arm operations and only threw 209 minor league innings before he finally retired in 1989. He never got past the California League. So, I mean, he wasn't even close to the major league. So that was 1989. He hung it up. And then he went to work as a high school physics teacher. Because, I mean, that's what you do when you don't make the major leagues. He became a high school physics teacher. And it wasn't until 10 years later in 1999 where he was coaching baseball at reagan county high school in brownwood texas and his players were amazed by the life on his fastball when he was throwing batting practice they told him he should try to make a comeback and he kind of laughed the whole thing off and said you know what if you make the state playoffs i'll go attend one of these major league tryout camps the team did make the state playoffs, and uh, he kept his word. He went to the camp and was signed to a major league deal. He only pitched, I mean, to be fair, he pitched less than a full season in the major leagues, but he did make it back. He made it back to the major leagues. It was one hell of a story, and it's something that you see a lot of these guys that try to make a comeback. They retire and like, well, I want to make a comeback. And it's hard to do. And this is a guy that never even made it in the first place. So the fact that he made it to a major league roster to step out on the field as a major league baseball player to fulfill that lifelong dream was a pretty cool deal. It doesn't mean you have to you know, pitch for 20 years, making it and even pitching for one day. And like I said, he made this for about a year, pitched in the major leagues as a relief pitcher. Really a hell of a story. And a, a decent Disney movie, much better than the crap they're like putting out now with Star Wars. So, you know, you could still go back and enjoy the movie. I think it was just called The Rookie. And uh, check that out, because I thought that was a good flick. Although I like baseball flicks, even though I'm not really into baseball at the current moment, and that might have a lot to do with the current state of so many different things, and you've heard me bitch about a lot of them on the Random Thoughts podcast. If you haven't, there's like 45 episodes. You can go back and check those out. But another person that gets mentioned of this, when you start thinking of people that have made it big, that had to persevere, keep the nose to the grindstone, keep at it, is J.K. Rowling. Somebody that, you know, wrote some of these books about some Harry Potter guy that was some magic thing. I never read any of the books. Um, my wife did. And she thought they were decent. And I don't know. I've never, never read one of the books. Never saw any of the movies. Don't necessarily think I'm missing anything. If you really believe I am, feel free to reach out to me at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. But J.K. Rowling was absolutely broke on public aid. When she finished the book, she was hot off a divorce and she sent the book, the script to all 12 major publishers that were around at the time. I don't know how many are still left. It seems like publishers like record companies are kind of dropping like flies, but she sent the manuscript out and was rejected by all 12 major publishers at the time. She kept persisting. She tried to get a deal with anyone that she could. And she found a small publisher that decided they'd give her a chance. I mean, I guess Amazon wasn't around at the time because otherwise she could have self-published 
and maybe made a whole ton of money there. But a small publisher gave her an advance of 1,500 pounds, which is what, like $2,000, I think, at the current exchange rate. And they agreed to publish just 1,000 copies of the book. I wonder if you can find one of those original 1,000. I wonder what those are worth right now. Just a random thought there. But the book has now, the Harry Potter series has now sold more than 400 million copies. All 12 major publishers told her to sod off. And uh, she persisted. People dug the story. Again, we're talking about gatekeepers here. People telling you that your work is no good. And again, this is somebody that believed in her work, believed in the characters, believed in the story, and didn't give up, kept persisting, and is now a filthy, filthy rich and a little bit of a crazy liberal. But that's okay because she created Harry Potter, I guess, so people dig her. But practice makes perfect. There's a couple different ways to look at this whole persevering thing. If you believe Malcolm Gladwell, he's the guy that came out with the theory that it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill. And people have kind of misquoted this in a few different ways. It doesn't, there was no magical 10,000 hour number from what I can tell, but that was an average for most people if they need to master a skill. I mean, obviously, some things are a little bit harder to do than others, but this was just kind of an average. But I think it gave an interesting perspective that you're not going to walk into a guitar store, pick up a guitar for the first time today, and be a master virtuoso of guitar in a week. There are some things that just take the practice. The music we use for the intro and outro here, we've talked about it before. Our buddy Tom wrote the songs and performed them. We recorded them. He was a guy that played professionally back in his younger days and took a decade or two off without playing the guitar at all. And I got to see him go from basically, again, picking up the guitar for the first time in a long, long time and trying to get these little riffs just right and trying to get the sound that he wanted. And he quickly got back up to speed, but it did take a few weeks of getting those fingers back in shape and getting that muscle memory going. And I think he produced some damn fine music and we're glad that he did before he passed away. And we're glad that people have been commenting about that song. And so again, I always like to mention Tom Wendland, he wanted to call the little group they were going to put together here ever forward and the music is just a uh, a nice remembrance and for me it's a constant remembrance that persevering is an important thing in going with something that you want to do and he had music as a passion even though it was put on the back burner for a long time he went back to it and kicked a little bit of ass and got some songs down at least now that uh, that can live on for his kids and grandkids to hear and all that So there's that practice makes perfect concept where you need to put the time in, but depending what it is too, as far as persevering, it's also a numbers game, you know, kind of like baseball. If you can get a hit once out of every three times, you're pretty good at your skill and some things are different. You know, some things you actually have to keep practicing and getting better. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, a guy we've talked about a little bit in the podcast realm before. He's a guy that's written a bunch of you know, inspirational marketing kind of books, crush it and uh, 
was a guy that started out as a baseball card seller at 13, was making thousands of dollars and took over his parents' wine store and then has now built up an empire of Vayner Media and a bunch of different wine things and uh, way, way too many things to even keep track of. He's got his hands seemingly everywhere. But he tells a story about a friend of his that had a goal that he wanted to date a woman that looked like a supermodel. And he came up with a pretty ingenious theory and a pretty ingenious plan, which was every time he saw a woman that he thought looked like a supermodel, he went up and asked her out. And he got shot down tons of times, but eventually, eventually that worked out for him. And one of the women said yes. So that's really, it's a numbers game in a certain amount of times, but uh, persevering is important to take the negativity. In this guy's case, he got shot down a lot by women, and that's tough. Getting shot down is tough. Everybody, I think, has had that experience in one way, shape, or form at some point, and you know it sucks. But once you realize it's a numbers game, it's also easier to get back up and uh, dust yourself off and get back out there to doing whatever it is you want to do, whether it is finding a girl that looks like a supermodel or producing podcasts. Because podcasting is really, it's kind of like trying to find a date with a supermodel because you're out there and you're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to get a lot of people who just don't care what you're doing. You're going to get a lot of people that think what you're doing sucks. And that's okay because you're playing in a numbers game. There's going to be people out there that like what you're doing that will support what you're doing, but it's not always an easy climb. It's usually not in the podcasting realm, unless you already have some kind of fame or notoriety. If you're starting out as somebody that nobody really knows and you're doing a podcast, it's going to be a long, slow climb. But I can attest that it's worth doing. It's a lot of fun. And I've met a whole lot of people through the podcast and through the No Agenda troll room, chat room for those who aren't into the No Agenda thing. Troll room is the chat room because when you're doing a live show, they can troll along and say things to the host to get them riled up or whatever they want to do. But I've met a really a lot of cool people, a lot of nice people from doing the podcast. And that alone is one hell of a reward. So again, we're kind of hoping that Mark Von Dyke, Void Zero of No Agenda fame, can start producing some more podcasts because I want to consume that content. I'm just, maybe it is, I'm just being a little bit selfish, but I like the stuff Mark produces. I think he has a really cool viewpoint on life. The fact that he's from the Netherlands and he likes to follow American politics and he's a hell of a lot more sane when he covers it than most most american citizens so i like getting his points of view he's a funny guy and he does some really cool content so i'm hoping this is going to be a little slap on the back that says hey add a boy do a little bit more we're hoping to hear a little bit more mark content and we hope you like what you're hearing here on the random thoughts podcast we don't take our listeners for granted we know that there's a lot of podcasts out there there's a lot of entertainment options out there for you to spend your time with and as Ryan Bemrose and I just talked about in the latest Grumpy Old Benz, which will be being released in a week or so, we talked about the attention economy and everything that goes along with that. And it really is. It's an honor to know people are spending their time consuming our content. We appreciate it. We thank you. If you want to buy us a coffee or a whole new mixing board or a Lexus, whatever it is, you can go to randomthoughts.com and click that little donate button. 
And that is exactly what our friend Jay Finley, a.k.a. Baron Walkman, did for this episode, which once again makes him an executive producer of another Random Thoughts episode. We truly appreciate your contribution. It helps us keep this little podcast running, and we hope that we can keep producing content up to the high standard that the Baron wants in the show. And we encourage all of our listeners to go and hit one of those little subscribe buttons, either on iTunes, Android, or wherever you're getting the best podcast served to you. Rate the show if you can. And if you have any comments, criticism, you just want to reach out to us, you can do so at Random Thoughts Podcast, R A N D U M B Thoughts Podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at random podcast r-e-n-d-u-m-b podcast or darren o'neill d-a-r-r-e-n-o-n-e-i-l-l so until next time i am darren o'neill thank you for listening